Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. Every once in a while, Apple announces something that makes you wonder, why would I need that? Open dock. The iPod Touch Loop. HomePod. iTunes Ping. Touch Bar. Game Center. The Mac App Store. Touch Bar. Stage Manager. The Launch Pad. Touch Bar. Apple Pay. Touch Bar. Store. HomePod Mini. Touch Bar. Apple News. Revolutionary Remote. Touch Bar. Pod. Unified Thermal Core. Touch Bar. Vision Pro. Sometimes it's because we, the customer, lack imagination. And sometimes you really are looking at a solution in search of a problem. Touch Bar. Before I pass judgment on Apple's dystopian goggles, I'll think back to what reviewers first said about HyperCard when it first appeared. Macworld, April 1988. HyperCard 1.01 Data Management Software Pros Good for interactive visual applications, easily customized, easily links disparate information, speedy searches, provides hook to other programming languages. Cons Not good for structured applications, weak report formatting, cards cannot be resized, Lacks programming utilities. Company, Apple Computer. List price, 50 US dollars. Bundled with new Macintoshes. Requires Mac Plus. No copy protection. HyperCard arrived on the scene with a lot of, well, hype. Apple thought so highly of it that it's now included with every new Macintosh. Apparently that was one of HyperCard creator Bill Atkinson's demands, having witnessed what happened to Don Denman and Mac Basic. I made, I cut a deal with the devil. I'll write this, and I won't take any money from Apple while I'm writing it. I didn't. Uh, when I'm done with it, I'll give you a right of first refusal. You can choose whether to accept it or not, and if you didn't, that's fine, but then it belongs to me. Uh, I had an experience with Don Denman writing a beautiful Mac Basic. That's he got screwed, screwed because Microsoft yeah. did not want that competition, yep. and they put the screws to Apple. If you ship that, we will not renew the. That Apple was the. And so Apple had to. Don Denman came to me and says, "Help! They've screwed me." And and I and I went to Steve Jobs, and he said, "It's too late. We already signed all the contracts." And I learned from that. You know, that I don't out. want to write something right. and have it squashed. There's no doubt that this graphics program come database come software development tool is exceptional. The difficulty is defining exactly what it's exceptional at. HyperCard combines Mac Paint-like capabilities with database-like text-only fields. The underlying metaphor of HyperCard is a stack, or database, of cards. You paint and type the contents of each card, and then link them by creating buttons or by using HyperCard's programming language, HyperTalk. To give a stack some uniformity, you can create a background, a design that appears on every card in the stack. Individual cards can be further modified. Each button, field, card, and background, each object in the stack, can have its script or program. You could, for instance, display a hidden field, perform a calculation, or display a totally different card just by moving the cursor over a specific area. Using buttons to navigate among cards in a stack, you can jump between wildly disparate information, but only if someone has done the scripting to make those associations. Not Your Average Database
The informal, button-controlled interactive links between cards in different stacks point out a major difference between HyperCard and more traditional record-oriented databases. In traditional databases, even relational ones, links occur because the program associates data in one record with matching data in another. For example, you enter a company name into an invoice, the database program matches that name to a record in a different file and automatically enters the company's address. HyperCard can do that too, but the link does not have to be formalized, that is, created through an indexed field when the database is first designed, for example, nor must it have any logic behind it other than your desire for easy access to some piece of information. Also unlike traditional databases, HyperCard puts linking under the explicit control of the stack developer. Thus, the developer can create a navigational link, moving from card to card, or a programmatic link, reading data from another card. If the developer wants to forge a link between dinosaurs and birds, then so be it. Moreover, anyone who uses the stack can customize it further by creating more buttons or by adding new scripts. Customizing stacks, however, can quickly result in a complex nesting of procedures. Because of its paint capabilities, HyperCard is also highly visual. The HyperCard application Business Class from Activision has a virtually wordless user interface. Another stack that's making the rounds of user groups, Inigo Gets Out, is a children's story that jumps from illustration to illustration depending where on the screen you click the mouse. HyperCard's interactivity and visual capabilities make it an excellent choice for tutorial and training applications, where a slideshow of sequential cards full of text would quickly bore readers. HyperCard allows users to jump from item to item, skipping things that don't interest them and examining things that do. It's like giving viewers all the slides and having them make their own show. What if we added a scripting language and an interactivity layer? On top of YouTube. Think about it. Because HyperCard is so visually oriented, it's tempting to use too many graphics in your stacks. If you do, your stacks will grow too large, too fast, and will run too slowly. Therefore, you must plan a stack application at least as thoughtfully as you would an application written in a programming language. The way HyperCard manages data is as important as its interactivity. HyperCard's search algorithm is a closely guarded secret. It can supposedly search millions of records in a flash. Bill Atkinson discussing HyperCard at the 1987 Dallas Macintosh users group meeting. I've come across a lot of new algorithms inside in the development of HyperCard that have allowed it to achieve the performance that I insist upon. Here's the Apple phone list. This stack contains 3,000 cards, each of which has eight fields. So there are 24,000 disk resident fields here. And if I say find John and admin, so it's not by any pre-indexing, I'm there. I've worked out some ways to speed up searching. I've worked out some ways to pack bitmaps. Worked out a lot of different algorithms to make HyperCard have acceptable performance on, on the Macintosh. Uh, Apple does regard those algorithms as proprietary to Apple. Patent applications discuss how they work. I have 12 patents from stuff I invented for HyperCard over the three years that I worked on it. In a 100-card test of the program's text searching and sorting capabilities, 
it located a unique string embedded in a field so quickly that I couldn't start the stopwatch before the search was over. HyperCard sorted the same 100-card stack alphabetically, on the basis of one field, in less than three and a half seconds. These times were for the database equivalent of an unindexed field. You don't index fields in HyperCard as you would a database. In anticipation of future search capabilities, user groups are already distributing HyperCard drivers for CD-ROMs. On the other hand, applications in which the user imposes a personal order on seemingly unrelated information are good candidates for HyperCard stacks. However, don't consider applications that depend on animation, menu bars, big screen support, grayscale support, formatted reporting, or any database where structured data must be maintained, such as accounting. Animation in HyperCard is crude at best. The program does not allow you to define, move, or animate separate objects, although clever scripting might enable you to simulate some simple animation. HyperCard does provide a hook for programming in other languages besides HyperTalk, which is another possibility for animating graphics. The simplest way to show movement is to flip between cards. But on a Macintosh Plus, card transitions are too slow for convincing animation, and even on a Macintosh 2, they produce an effect more like a rapid succession of slides. More technical solutions for providing animation, such as using HyperTalk to activate the Lasso tool to take a graphic from one card and place it on another, are even slower than card flipping. Using an opaque button to hide and show an area of the screen works well, but no graphics can appear atop the button unless you're very sophisticated with a resource editor and can create new icons and tile them together to form a larger graphic. HyperCard has its own menu bar, which you may or may not display, but unlike Fourth Dimension, a database designed for creating applications, HyperTalk cannot create application-specific menus. To emulate a menu bar with HyperCard requires complex swapping of cards and resources. Even if you do emulate a menu bar at the top of a card, the effect is slightly unnerving, especially on large screen monitors. HyperCard puts the card in the center of a screen, away from the top of the screen where menu bars usually appear. HyperCard makes no use of large displays. Cards cannot be resized, nor can you display more than one at a time. One point in the program's defense, a card is dependably the same size on every Macintosh. All the cards are the same size. This is deliberate choice to facilitate exchange of information and to give a format to design into. When you make graphics and text together, you really need to have a frame to work within rather than trying to word wrap the graphics into some uh, stretchable frame. It works a lot better to have a known publishing format. And this format is the largest size that every Macintosh can display, the size of the original Mac screen. HyperCard also does not support color or grayscales. HyperCard has limited reporting capabilities even when you use HyperTalk. For example, unless you write a highly complex script, you can sort on only one field at a time. There are two questions here. One was multi-level sorting. That's easy to do. The sorting primitives are callable from the script, and so you say sort by this thing, sort by that thing, and the sort is deliberately stable. 
Those fields that are the same, it will not change the cards. So you can sort by the least important thing, then the next least, and then the most. And you will get a, a true multi-level sort from one click of the button. Also, HyperTalk does not offer formatting commands for fields. It cannot, for example, send field data to X, Y locations, as when printing a mailing label. Traditional databases are report and output oriented. HyperCard is screen oriented. HyperTalk simply wasn't designed to efficiently build the complex custom reports that other data management programs can build. HyperCard is a medium for presenting interactive information. And I didn't really want HyperCard to turn into this big, grandiose database with 50 zillion things you'd have to learn about report generation. I know of several vendors who are putting together report generation programs that do much fancier reporting than is in HyperCard. Activision showed two products, Reports, which allows you to generate reports from HyperCard stacks. Also unlike traditional output-oriented databases, HyperCard organizes all data behind the scenes. The user cannot tell HyperCard how or when to save or store data. HyperCard just does it. This idea of open a document into volatile memory, make changes to it, and then if you remember to, write it out before things go bad, uh, that was really dangerous. I was a proponent of, as you're making changes, you're writing a little trickle to the hard drive so that if at any point you lose memory, or you lose power, it's all there. This I've been editing for three hours and now I did something and the computer crashed and I lost three hours worth of work. That was you know, really unacceptable. And the first time that I got that in was with HyperCard. And that was because I could have stacks that had a million cards that no way would fit in memory of this little teeny computer. So in order to work on one, you had to be editing it in place on the disk. And I always made it so that every edit was done uh, such that you could pull the power plug and anything up to the last few seconds would all, all be safely on the disk. Although this can be convenient for the user, it also takes away much control. You can't force HyperCard to track data. You can't set up an audit trail for an accounting application. For this reason, HyperCard is not well suited to setting up structured applications. Issues for would-be developers Although HyperTalk code is easy to write and eminently intelligible to the lay programmer, it still lacks utilities to help while programming and debugging. For instance, to print out the logic of a script, you must do numerous screen dumps as you follow all the links. User groups are already starting to distribute a utility that prints out a script and all its branches and helps in other ways as well. But even though these utilities may help you clean up your own code, Tracing someone else's uncommented code is still a nightmare, especially when there are lots of links between unrelated stacks. HyperCard automatically assigns an ID number non-sequentially to every object. For example, card 5743 may immediately follow card 2381. For easily traceable code, you must name every object that you refer to. Even then, you must be careful to use a well-thought-out naming scheme. Otherwise, you'll be hunting for those ID numbers like a needle in a, er, haystack. Art is integral to every HyperCard application, but bringing art from one stack to another, or merging two stacks, is a mechanistic process of copying back and forth, 
or copying via the scrapbook. You can automate the process by writing a script to copy a list of named cards from one stack to another, but even so, speed is still an issue. There is no easy way to merge stacks. HyperCard is a fairly big program, and it produces big stacks. Developers must watch stack size. Floppies hold 800k, and it's a nuisance to split stacks once they've grown beyond floppy size. The Hyperfuture One developer who has worked intensively with HyperCard told me, you can do anything with it that you can do with the programming language. While not strictly true, the statement is close to the truth. Programming languages are generally optimized for particular applications. HyperCard is optimized for applications that let the user decide what's next and perform informal, unstructured, personal data management. Because HyperCard's programming language is interpreted, slower than compiled, this would change in 2.0, unfortunately a bit too late for Danny Goodman's focal point, and because of its limited non-scrolling card size, you would not want to program a spreadsheet in it, even though you could. In addition, HyperCard has poor report formatting capabilities and does not allow the user to impose a formal structure on a stack. For these reasons, many traditional database applications, such as accounting, are not well suited to HyperCard. HyperCard can never replace structured, report-oriented databases, but it certainly is an exceptional program for those who need an interactive, visual approach to information management. This review bemoans HyperCard's limited built-in facilities. Of course, the swift proliferation of external commands and functions rapidly overcame these limitations. HyperCard was famously used as a rapid application development type environment to produce MIST in combination with Simplex Systems custom programming and their Hypertint color picture display X command. Just keep that in mind when people talk about exactly what Apple's new headset might be good for. Not that I'll ever have any use for it. Thanks for tuning in. You can find more stories or join the very quiet Discord server for this podcast at www.macfolkloreradio.com.